Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome all of you to Plum Creek today. Uh, you may be here in person or watching online. You may be a newcomer to our church, or you may be an old-timer. doesn't matter who you are. It's great to have you with us. Well, it is March of 2022, and over the past few days, I was thinking about what was happening two years ago this month, March of 2020. That's when normal life just shut down. Normal life disappeared. Schools closed. We started working from home. Churches like Plum Creek stopped meeting in person two years ago. Isn't that crazy? And do you remember what it felt like in the early days of COVID? You remember that sense of uncertainty? Nothing like this had ever happened before. And we were concerned about what would happen in the future. So here we are. We're in the future. March of 2022. And I think it's safe to say over the past two years, we've seen many things that would have been unthinkable in the not-too-distant past. And some of those unthinkable things have been positive. The Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't think any of us would have expected that in 2020 when they ended their season with a record of 2-14. and 14. So, yeah, some things have been positive, but there have been a lot of tough times, too. Many of us have gotten sick. Some of us seriously sick. Some of us have lost loved ones. We've also seen deep division in our country, in our friendships, in our families, in some cases. Not just around COVID, but around lots of issues, politics, racial tension. And now, just when it seems like COVID is letting up, we've got this catastrophic war happening on the other side of the world. It's hard to believe that's happening here in the 21st century. But here we are, and many of us are concerned about the future today. But just yesterday, I ran across a passage of Scripture that really hit me. It's powerful. I thought it may be good to read that here today and then have a time of prayer. So I'm going to read this. It's Psalm 2. Follow along with me. It says, Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger He rebukes them, terrifying them with His fierce fury. For the Lord declares... I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. And the king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings... Act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. 
Submit to God's royal son or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. Isn't that amazing? Seems like that was written for today. And I love what that says. What joy for all who take refuge in him. I also love the fact that it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. God is on the throne. And his kingdom is far, far greater than any earthly kingdom. So let's go to him right now in prayer. Let's pray for the people of Ukraine and for everyone who is suffering because of this war. Let's pray for peace. And let's also pray those words from the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'll give you a couple moments to pray silently and then I'll close. Lord, we don't know the future. But what we see here in the present, it's disturbing. But Lord, none of this is beyond you. None of this is surprising to you. But we ask, Lord, for your kingdom to come here on this earth. I pray that you would bring peace. I pray that you would be com- bring comfort to those who are grieving, that you would bring help for those who need it. And Lord, I lift up the leaders of this world. I pray that they would seek you. Sometimes that seems extremely likely, but I know that can happen too. I pray that they would seek you, that you would give them wisdom, and that you would give them boldness to do the right thing. And Lord, I pray for your church. I pray that we would be who you have called us to be. That you would use us for the advance, uh, to help your kingdom advance. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're starting a new sermon series. It's called Kingdom Stories. And with this series, we're continuing to focus on our theme for this year, which is the kingdom of God. And let's take just a moment to go back and review some of the things that we've learned over the last couple months. First, the kingdom of God is any place where God's rule and his reign have truly begun. And what does that look like? What does it look like when God is completely in charge, ruling and reigning? Well, it's amazing. When, when God is completely in charge, everything that's wrong goes away. And that may seem like an overstatement, but it's true. When God's kingdom is in full effect, sin and evil are eliminated. War and disease, abuse, fear, death itself, all of those things will one day be eradicated by a God who is all-powerful and holy and just. However, as we said last week, God's kingdom is not yet in full effect. Jesus has defeated the powers of evil. He did that 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross and he rose again. But he hasn't destroyed the powers of evil yet. That that destruction is coming. You can be sure of that. But today, we live in this in-between time because the kingdom of God is already here, 
but it's not yet fully realized. And for followers of Jesus who live in this in-between time, we, we need to understand that God wants to use us to help his kingdom grow and advance. So we keep looking to Jesus. We ask him to lead us. And with that goal in mind, we're going to take a few weeks to look at several stories that Jesus told. Jesus was a master storyteller. He would take a big crowd of people and just capture their attention and then communicate simple truths in a profound way. Now, the stories Jesus told are often called parables, and we need to be on the same page about the meaning of that word. So here's the definition we're using. A parable uses familiar objects, everyday things, and familiar characters to communicate a spiritual truth. Now, even if you are brand new to church, I'm sure you've heard a few of Jesus' parables, like uh, the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son. Those are probably his greatest hits. Uh, but today, we're, we're going to look at a parable that's probably his third most popular. It's called the Parable of the Sower, or the Parable of the so uh, Soils. And for most of us who grew up in church, this story is very familiar, but it's also profound. And it doesn't matter how many times you've heard it, we all have a lot we can still learn here. So let's jump in and read it. If you have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 13. And in this chapter, Jesus preaches a sermon that's really just a series of parables, one after the other. And some of his listeners will love these stories. Others will just walk away confused. But let's see how we respond. Matthew 13, starting with verse 1. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables. And let's stop right here because this is a very cool image. Uh, he's, Jesus is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he jumps into a boat because a huge crowd of people had gathered around him. And he needs a little breathing room. But it works out really well. This, this uh, being in the boat is a great idea because in the water, that, that, that's like a natural stage. And the shore is a natural amphitheater. So when Jesus is preaching and teaching here, everybody can understand him really well. And as we see in verse 3, Jesus starts to tell a bunch of parables. And there's one big theme with these parables. Guess what it is? The big theme is the kingdom of God. And on the surface, these parables about the kingdom are very simple. But there are profound spiritual truths beneath the surface. A lot of people miss the point completely, which is no surprise because Jesus said the kingdom of God is a mysterious thing. There are secrets here. Not everyone's going to understand it. But let's see if we can understand. We'll start uh, back at the beginning of verse 3. Then Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed 
fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So we start with a farmer, a sower, sowing seeds. And this image would have been very familiar to the people in Jesus' time, but for us today, it might seem kind of strange because the farmer in this story is just flinging seed all over the place. He, he doesn't seem to care where the seed's going to land. But for the, the listeners that day uh, with Jesus, this, this wouldn't have been strange because at that time, farmers didn't always know which ground was the good ground. So they threw out extra to make sure all the good ground was covered. And in this case, the seed fell on four different kinds of soil. First, you got the hard path. This ground has been compacted by people who walked over it again and again. It is impenetrable by this point. And if you are that little seed trying to get beneath the surface, you're just out of luck. The second type of soil is very rocky. The, the seed does start to grow, but it never gets far because of the rocks. The third type of soil is full of thorns and weeds that choke out the seed. There's a competition between the good plants and the bad plants, and the good plants lose. Then finally, after those three bad scenarios, you got the good soil. It's not hard. It's not rocky. It's not full of weeds and thorns. It's got all of the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. And because of that, the plants can thrive and grow, and yield an abundant crop. And that's the story. It's pretty simple, right? A child could easily understand the story, the earthly side of this parable. But the spiritual side's a little more complex. And many people in the crowd did not understand what Jesus meant by this story. And the disciples saw that. A lot of folks were confused. So in verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? What are you doing here, Jesus? Why, why are you speaking in code? See, the, the disciples noticed that Jesus was changing his tactics. Earlier in his ministry, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spoke very directly. He said things like, forgive others, pray for those who persecute you. Nothing confusing about that. But here in Matthew 13, he, he tells one parable after another. So the disciples are asking a good question here. But then Jesus gives a very curious answer. It's a little odd, maybe even disturbing. Let's hear what Jesus says. Verse 11. Why do I speak in parables? Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So do you see what I mean? It, it's kind of curious. Jesus said to his disciples, I will tell you guys the secrets of the kingdom, but I'm not going to tell them. 
based on what Jesus says here, his parables were meant not just to reveal the truth, but also to conceal the truth. And how does that make sense? I'll be honest, for a long time, I struggled with this part of the, the passage because it seems like Jesus doesn't want the crowd to understand. But we can't misinterpret his words here. Of course, Jesus wants the people to understand. But this crowd is a lot like those Jews who lived back in Old Testament times, back in the days of Isaiah, the prophet. God wanted those people to understand too. But the Jews at that time, they just weren't willing to listen. They weren't interested. So God doesn't force himself on people. He's not a dictator like Vladimir Putin. Right now, Putin is trying to impose his kingdom on others by force. But God's not like that. He's like the farmer in this story. He just scatters the seed of his word, looking for souls who will be receptive. And if they're not ready, if they're not willing to listen, God respects their wishes And this is why Jesus keeps some people from seeing. It's just a response to the unbelief and lack of interest they already have. For those who are closed to his message, the parable conceals the truth. For those who are open, the parable reveals the truth. Jesus says, if you come to me with an open mind and an open heart and you trust me with your life, you're going to be blessed. Look at what he says next to the disciples. He says, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So the disciples had this amazing privilege. Jesus gave them the opportunity to understand the kingdom. And you know what? We have that same opportunity today. And Jesus not only gives us the opportunity to understand the kingdom, but also to become a part of it, to to receive all the benefits that come from God's rule. Everyone is invited. But unfortunately, not everyone accepts that invitation. And that leads us to the spiritual truth that Jesus communicates with this parable. This is where we'll apply the story to our lives. And Jesus himself explains the meaning of the parable. He says here in verse 18, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was sown. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here, and let's start at the top. First, who does the sower represent? 
Well, the sower represents Jesus. In, in this moment, he is scattering the seed. And what does the seed represent? Well, Jesus said in verse 19, it's the message about the kingdom. It's the message of grace. See, God invites us into his kingdom, but you don't get there through your performance, through trying to be good enough, uh, through trying to do penance for your sins. Jesus already paid for your sins on the cross. So the way that you enter God's kingdom is through surrender. You, You enter the kingdom by making Jesus your king. So if the sower stands for Jesus and the seed stands for the message of the kingdom, what does the soil represent? Well, it's people, isn't it? Different kinds of people. And in three out of four cases here, you see people who resist the message of the kingdom of God in one way or another. And at the end of the day, we shouldn't think of this as some children's story. Jesus is giving a hard truth here. He's saying the sower is not the problem. The seed is not the problem. The soil is the problem. It reminds me of a couple that's in the middle of a breakup, and and one of them says, hey, it's not you, it's me. Except right here, Jesus says, no, it's not me, it's you. The message is not the problem. The messenger is not the problem. You are the problem. And you know, we all like to think that we are not the problem. It's kind of classic. We'll read the Bible. We'll see Jesus confronting a group of people. And and then we'll start cheering them on. Like, yeah, you go, Jesus. You put those sinners in their place. But we need to be careful. We need to step back in humility and do some soul searching. We need to consider the possibility that maybe Jesus is talking to us. So let's do this. Let's apply this parable to our lives, and as we do, don't make any assumptions. Don't assume that everything is just fine, like, well, I know that I'm not the problem. Those people are the problem. No, in order to hear from God this morning, we need to be honest. So let's ask the tough question, which soil am I? So let's break it down. And instead of talking about soil this time, we'll change just one letter. We'll take the I out of soil and we'll replace it with a U. So instead of soil, we're talking about souls. We'll begin with the path once again. The path represents a hardened soul. And a hardened soul has no interest or desire for the Word of God. Jesus flings that seed in your direction and boink, it just bounces right off. The the message of the kingdom doesn't stand a chance. And like we said last week, Satan is real. And whenever Satan encounters a hardened soul, it's easy. He just walks right up and says, yeah, I'll take that. But how does that happen? How does a soul become hardened? Well, it can happen in different ways. Uh, Maybe for you, you just have a hard time believing this stuff. The Bible sounds like a bunch of made-up stories, fairy tales. But that's only one example of a hardened soul. Uh, For others, your soul grew hard because of anger. You feel like God allowed something to happen that he shouldn't have allowed, and it's made you bitter and resentful. And at this point, you just don't want to hear what Jesus has to say. 
Or, here's another example. Maybe you just like how you're living right now and you don't want to change. And you know that Jesus will tell you to stop doing certain things and start doing certain things and you don't want him to tell you what to do. So you just turn down the volume knob of the voice of Jesus. There is one more option to consider. Sometimes the hardness is about pride. And and think about it. In the time of Jesus, who was most resistant to his message? It was religious people, very religious people, Pharisees, scribes, teachers of the law. These guys thought everything was great between them and God. They wouldn't even consider the possibility that they might be wrong. You know, this still happens today. You can come to church, you can do a lot of religious things and still be in complete opposition to Jesus and his kingdom. So, what do you do with this information? If you come to the conclusion that you are a hardened soul, is there any hope for you? Is there any chance that that's going to change? Well, I don't believe you're stuck. I believe that you can still choose to open yourself to God. Listen to him. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So let's uh, move on to the rocky soil. The rocky soil represents a shallow soul. And we see this all the time. Uh, A shallow soul just gives up when life gets hard. And if this is you, there was a time when you heard the message of Jesus and you were like, that's it. That's exactly what I've been looking for. And you made the commitment to follow Jesus, but the commitment didn't last. And why was that? Well, it's because you learned that following Jesus is not an easy path. Sooner or later, you run into trouble. That trouble may come in the form of temptation. And you say, Jesus, I know you don't want me to do this but I'm going to do it anyway. How many of us have been there? It's pretty common. Then other times, trouble comes in the form of persecution. Later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, every true follower of Jesus will be persecuted. That might come in the form of pushback or ridicule or outright attack. If you're not ready for that, if your roots have not grown deep, you will wither under the pressure. So if you don't have deep roots right now, what can you do about that? Well, you need a strong support system. And first, that support comes from God himself as you make it a habit to seek him every day in prayer, going to his word, listening to him. You can also find that support through other followers of Jesus who will come alongside you and encourage you We all need that help, but you do have to seek it out. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Then there's the soil that's full of thorns. And we'll call this the divided soul. The divided soul is lured away by the things of this world. And this one is interesting. This one is less about trouble and temptation and persecution. It's more about pleasure and prosperity. We see that more clearly in Luke's version of this story. In Luke 8, 14, Jesus says, The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. 
When you're blessed with prosperity, like we are in the U.S., it's so easy to have a divided heart, a divided soul. But what did Jesus say back in the Sermon on the Mount? Back in Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek first his kingdom. Put the kingdom of God above all else, above money or career or comfort or pleasure or even family. We have a hard time doing that. But what's the rest of Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. The rest of your life will be better when you put his kingdom first. And you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with those other things. But the trouble is, those other things don't want to stay in their proper place. And in a culture like ours, in a church like ours, this may be the most significant threat that we face. A divided soul. A lot of us have good intentions. A lot of us really want to put God first. We've declared that openly. A lot of us say he is our number one priority. But if Jesus took an inventory of your life, if, if he <laughs> made a record of how you spend all your time, how you spend your money, what it is that you're most devoted to, would he say that you are seeking his kingdom first? A tough question. And if you have to admit today that your heart is divided, Jesus is calling you back to him. He's calling you to make him your first love. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So we have one more category Let's think about that good soil, which is a receptive soul. And what stands out about this kind of person? Well, here's what I see. A receptive soul receives the word and then responds with faith. Now, in the Bible, this word faith is very important. If you've been around Plum Creek for a while, you've heard me talk about this. Faith is not just belief. Faith is belief plus trust. And when you really put your trust in Jesus, you're giving him control. You let his plans take precedence over your plans. And when you have that kind of faith, it's like the seed growing in good soil. That seed grows up into a strong and healthy plant, and the plant bears fruit. And this is something we haven't talked about yet. In the parable, what does the fruit represent? Well, one way to answer that question is to go to Galatians chapter 5, where Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit. When you hear the message of Jesus and you accept it and you become a part of God's kingdom, His Holy Spirit begins to transform your life from the inside out. And Galatians 5 verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So look at your life. Are these characteristics growing in you? Do you have more love, more joy, more peace than you had two years ago? When you see that kind of growth in a follower of Jesus, you're probably seeing someone who is that good soil type of person. But you know, there's, there's one more kind of crop that grows from a fruitful plant. The fruit can also refer to people. It's the people who are drawn to God's kingdom through you. When you are good soil, 
And when the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, you become a living representation of Jesus. And because of that, God will use you to lead others to him. If your heart is open, receptive, and responsive, God will do great things for his kingdom through you. So that's the good soil. But let's not forget the ratio of this parable. 75%, three out of four soils are not receptive to the seed. Now, I don't believe Jesus is saying that exactly 75% of the people in this world will reject the message of Jesus. But I do believe a majority of people are not good soil. And like I said, when when people refuse to listen, he's not going to force it. The kingdom only grows in a life that is open and ready to receive it. And it's funny, sometimes our hearts get ready at weird times. You might be more receptive right after you did something stupid, something you really regret. You might be ready to listen when you're going through a difficult trial or a time of suffering. Or you may not be ready until you hit rock bottom. But the point is, if you are one of those bad soils right now, your story is not over. It's not hopeless. Think about all those people who heard Jesus tell this parable for the first time. What did Jesus say about that crowd? You remember? Jesus said to his disciples, the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but not to them. So what does that mean? Does that mean no one in that crowd ever became good soil? I don't believe it does. Now on that particular day, as Jesus preached from the boat, they weren't willing to listen yet. But I have to believe that later on, at least some of them put their faith in Christ and entered God's kingdom. The truth is, it's not hopeless. Hardened soil, hardened souls can become soft. Shallow souls can grow deeper roots. Divided souls can become focused and get their priorities straight. I got to thinking this week, I was wondering how long a seed can remain dormant before it sprouts. So I looked it up, and I learned that some seeds can wait 50 years before they find good soil and start to grow. So today, I wonder how many of you have heard the good news of God's kingdom, but up to this point, you haven't been open and receptive. It's that, if, if that's you, I'm praying that today you will listen to what God is saying to you. In my wallet, I carry around a card that I've had for almost 10 years. It's called a high-five card. We gave these out at Plum Creek a long time ago. And uh, here's the idea for this card. The idea is that you write down five names on the back, and these names would be people you know who need a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And then you pray for those people consistently. I pulled out my card this week, and I looked at the names on the back, and I see a couple people who did give their lives to Christ. I got to see them get baptized. It's very cool. But on the top line here, I see a guy who still hasn't put his faith in Jesus. And I happen to know this person still hears the word of God being preached on a regular basis, but he hasn't been open. 
And I'm not going to tell you his name, but if you're listening right now, I want you to know I am still praying for you. I'm praying that God's word will take root in your soul and begin to grow. You will receive the good news, become a citizen of God's kingdom, and let him use you to do great things. That's what I'm praying for. And if you are someone who follows Jesus, I invite you to join me. We all know people who are not yet that good soil. So let's pray for those that we know. Let's pray for them to become receptive souls. And then, as for ourselves, let's be the kind of soil that God will use for the growth of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Jesus, for this message that that is simple but profound at the same time. Lord, I pray that we will have the humility to be honest, to listen to you, even if you have hard things to say to us. And Lord, I pray that the message of your kingdom will grow in each one of us and beyond those who are here right now, those who are listening. I pray that you will use us to spread that message, to represent you well and to see your kingdom grow. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.